Everyone knows the name Disney, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and Lego. But do you know the story behind any of these companies and how they were founded? And just talking about Lego can be an entirely different language. It's already hard enough to understand what a 2x4 stud and Technic brick is. So I thought it was time to go back to the brick beginning. Start from day one and learn a bit of the history along the way. So this episode will start off with how the Lego group began. Lego. Lego. Hey all you Lego studs, welcome back to Back to Brick. Just want to first start off with thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the podcast. Hope you um, enjoy these episodes. I know that we put a lot of hard work into them and uh, try to bring you as much information as possible from myself, the designers, and the Lego community itself. And if it's not your first time, thanks for sticking around and checking out these episodes. And if you listen to some of these podcasts, you've seen that we've brought in a bunch of designers and we kind of talk in a different language sometimes. And this show isn't made just for adult fans of Lego that design and build Legos all the time. This is supposed to be for anyone who's interested in Lego sets. We're going to take a little deviation today and dive into the history behind Lego so that you can learn not only about what Lego sets are out now, but the history of how it came to be a company and one of the most respected companies in the world. We'll start off as we always do with our bricking news, and then we'll roll into chapter one in the building and origins of the Lego group. So for our bricking news today, in 2019, I believe it was around that time that Ford said that they were bringing back the Ford Bronco, but they hadn't shown any photos. It was just all rumor and we're all kind of just sitting and waiting. This past week, it was actually revealed to the public. There's a two-door and a four-door model, and it's pretty much trying to compete with the Jeep. There's been a lot of hype around this truck slash SUV slash utility vehicle for those past couple years. Of course, we've got to build it in Lego, right? Well, it just so happens that actually one of the designers of the Bronco is a Lego designer too. He goes by the name of Lego underscore 911 on Instagram and has actually been designing a bunch of Lego vehicles for a few years now. So he's, of course, taking a crack at the Bronco that he helped build, creating the version of the two-door and the four-door Bronco. And I highly recommend you go onto his Instagram and check it out. And uh, maybe you can be able to build it too. Something else caught my eye this week, which was a cool idea on Lego Ideas website. Now, I'm a huge movie and TV buff, and this idea is right up my alley. If you haven't seen Schitt's Creek, I highly recommend it. But this builder went ahead and came up with an idea, and unfortunately, I'm super disappointed I didn't have this idea, to make the Rosebud Motel and have the entire cast as Lego minifigures. So it's at about 8,500 supporters right now, and once it reaches 10,000 supporters, it will be able to go in front of the Lego group and be possibly picked to be a Lego set. I've already supported it, I think you should too. You can go on to ideas.lego.com, or Shit's Creek if you look it in the search bar. Now, I'm not just a Lego fan, but a video game fan, and I know a lot of other people are as well. I'm quite partial to Nintendo. So when Lego and Nintendo started their partnership, I was really interested to see what they'd be designing. And, you know, I'm not disappointed right now, because Lego this week surprised us with a one-to-one scale replica of the original Nintendo Entertainment System, and it's now going to be a Lego set. Set 
71374 is 2,646 piece Lego set that includes the NES system, a Super Mario gaming cartridge, a standard NES controller, and a bonus with a classic TV that actually has the Super Mario game playing. And on the TV, you actually can take control of the screen by turning a dial on the side, and you'll have this little 8-bit Mario running through the course as the scene changes, which is a really cool feature. Also, if you did purchase the Mario expansion pack for the uh, Digifigure game, you can actually place him on top, and once you start the scroll wheel, he'll actually play the standard... I think that's a really cool addition to the feature. Now, this set will be available on August 1st and will retail for $230. I, I think it's going to be a great set, and I think it brings a lot of nostalgia, not only to people who love video games, but to everybody who is, is just a huge Nintendo fan. This week also marks the start of San Diego Comic-Con, which will happen from the 22nd this Wednesday through 26th this Sunday. But... It is it's all virtual this year, and Lego usually does have a booth or have a panel, but they will not be presenting this year, and they usually also provide exclusive minifigures or sets. Now, they might still do that and reveal those later for possible people that are able to participate in the virtual raffles, but we're not sure what they are yet. It could be a Super Mario set, which it's rumored to be 77307 Toad's Special Hideaway, which we haven't seen any images for. Uh, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see this week to see what they come out with. Some other bigger news that was pretty sad to see, actually, was there's a company called Fairy Bricks, and it's a charity organization. What they do is they collect uh, uh, funds to purchase Lego sets that will be donated to kids in hospitals. And that's their mission statement, is to provide Legos for kids. And it gives them a break from all of the stress that is the hospital. And unfortunately, someone broke in and stole hundreds of Lego sets this week from their warehouse. And it's it's just so sad to see. Uh, why would you steal from the kids? It, it And they showed images. It, it's just so hard to see. Uh, and Lego is stepping up and saying that they're going to help and replace as all the sets that were stolen. But you can also help too. I'm going to put a link in the show notes here where you can go and donate to their PayPal, which is a direct access for them to purchase even more sets that were stolen. Go out there and help out a great charity. Some interesting news in AI, actually. So we're used to AI just doing large mathematical problems, but now it's also looking to do computational problems with Lego. So when it comes to Technic sets, it can be hard to design and construct something that's working because they aren't like standard bricks they do have more of a mechanical style where they use pins to create angles and gear systems and if you've seen technical sets they can be very difficult to build and also not as easy to take apart and this program designed with an ai system can help learn from a sketch to build a technic set designed by hua zi in the chinese university of hong kong He's designed a program where you can simply draw an image and it'll create a technical build with parts to match the photo. And it's insane the speed. For a simple build, it took the program 36 seconds compared to 1 hour and 23 minutes for a professional master builder to make the model. And that's crazy. Hopefully it'll help in like personal designs for mocks and maybe Lego will even use it themselves. I guess we'll have to wait and see once it comes out of beta and uh, gets in the hands of the consumers. 
Brickset is 20 years old now. So Brickset's a website where it's a bunch of Lego news and a Lego community, also a full database of all Lego sets. So you can create an account and you can scroll through all the Legos that were ever been made and say that I want those, I have those, uh, and see how many Lego parts you have, how many Lego minifigures you have. It's really cool. And they're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. They've been a big help in my life, you know, organizing my collection. And I know that they've helped organize a bunch of other people's collections. So go over and check it out. It's a really cool history to see the online community, how it built with Lego over the past 20 years. As I said, San Diego Comic-Con announced that they'd be going virtual this year. BrickCon will also be going virtual. It's usually a Lego convention held in October, but the physical events have been canceled uh, and the online showing now will feature awards, classes, workshops, prizes, vendors, and many, many more. This year's theme is hindsight, so maybe we'll see a lot of uh, <clears throat> builds made with butts if you're funny like me, thinking of hindsight. <laughs> the last bit of breaking news, wow, I've been really long-winded today, is there's a new series called Brick Sketches. These are small plates that have a sketch of characters we may know out of Lego that are not super three-dimensional, but a little more like a 2D with some 3D aspects. And we have the Joker, Batman, BB-8, and a Stormtrooper. Now, this is from a new designer that just came on as a LEGO Master Builder. He's been pretty large in the LEGO community, and they retail for about $20. And they're they're nice sets, and it's a fun little build, and it's something that you can display. So I highly recommend you go check it out on LEGO.com. And that's all we have today for Bricking News. It seems a lot happened this week. And now we're going to move into our new segment, which is getting back or bricking back to the beginning of Lego. Everyone knows the name Disney, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and Lego. But do you know the story behind any of these companies and how they were founded? And just talking about Lego can be an entirely different language. It's already hard enough to understand what a 2x4 stud and Technic brick is. So I thought it was time to go back to the beginning. Start from day one and learn a bit of the history along the way. So this episode will start off with how the Lego group began. Chapter one. The founder of Lego, Ole Kirk Christensen, was born April 7th, 1891 in Filska, Denmark, to a family of 10 brothers and sisters. He was from a poor family, but he worked diligently, work his way out of poverty, working to become a carpenter. In 1905, when Christensen was 14, he began working as an apprentice to his brother. Then, in 1911, he left Denmark and went to work as a carpenter for five years in Germany. After he gained more experience in Germany, he moved back to Denmark to the Billund area, which was at the time mostly farmland. He bought the Billund woodworking and carpentry shop for about 10,000 Danish crowns with money he had saved and earned in 1916. Around the same time, he married the daughter of a Norwegian cheesemaker, Kristen Sorensen. And together, they had four children, Jonas, Carl, Gottfried, and Gerhard. Yep, four boys. Ole worked diligently at his work, always trying to improve and provide for his family. He crafted many things in his woodwork shop, such as ladders, stools, ironing boards, Doors, windows, kitchen, cabinets, cupboards, coffins, chests of drawers, tools for digging peat, and bodywork for carts. He worked continuously up until 1924 when a tragedy struck. Around that time when he was looking to expand and grow his business, his sons accidentally set fire to a pile of wood chips in the shop. 
The fire consumed not only the woodshed and the workshop, but the family home as well. This was only one of the many fires they experienced in the early years. Working with wood constantly would seem to come with some hazards. The workshop was then rebuilt as well as the house, and the workshop was expanded as Ole had originally intended it to be. Ole invites architecture Jessup Jessupersen to draw plans for the family's new home. He does so in the better building practice style, a leading Danish style of architecture during the period of 1915 to 1940. It's recognizable for its well-composed facades, front dormer flush with the facade, hipped pitch roof, and finally work main door. All of these elements are still present today in the home now known as Ole Kirk's house. To highlight the focus on the quality of the craftsmanship, Ole Kirk lays a concrete sidewalk, is the only sidewalk in Billund at the time. He also has two distinctive lion figures placed at the entrance. But life didn't get any easier for Ole. In 1929, the Great Depression started in the United States, causing a global recession. Mr. Christensen struggled to stay afloat. Since the downturn of the economy, most imported goods were luxuries, such as farming goods from Denmark to the UK, which was Ole's main consumers. It was hard for Danish farmers to afford the luxuries of new and well-made wood tools or furniture. And so he eventually had to let go of all of his workers in 1931. Then in 1932, his wife, Christian, died. These are hard times for the Christensen family. Economic downturn, and now a recent widow. He struggles to stay afloat, even slipping into bankruptcy and looking to have his family help him out. The National Association for Danish Entrepreneur supported Ole during the economic crisis, kind of like a government stimulus package for local business. Ole Kirk is a member of the association, and in a member's magazine, he reads in an advice column the good sense of manufacturing readily marketable products, such as stepladders, ironing boards, and other utility items, and something which will radically change his future, toys. He writes in his memoir, I looked to the future with hope, but within two months, my world was tumbling. There was a crisis in farming, but as we owed our living to the smallholders and farmers, we were also affected. We were in a difficult time, but it was as well that we could not see what lay ahead. During the summer, we were asked to make toys for a wholesale company run by Jens W. Olsen, and as we had no other work, we looked at it as a gift from God. On the 10th of August, 1932, Ole Kirk's shop started making wood toys such as piggy banks, pool toys, cars, and trucks. It was a large order, so it took most of his funds as well as the wood in his wood shop to make these toys in time for the Christmas season. Just as he had finished the order, though, he gets word that the wholesale company had filed for bankruptcy. He had all these toys built and he didn't know what to do. He, he couldn't sell them and he needed to provide food for his family. So he decided he would go out and sell them himself. Now, he wasn't a great businessman. He didn't like boasting about his work and the craftsmanship that he put into it. So sometimes he wouldn't sell them for the price that he wanted to sell them for. And sometimes he would even trade them for food from the local farmer to make sure he had food on the table for his four growing boys. He continued to produce practical furniture in addition to toys to stay in business. And in the 1930s, the yo-yo toy fad gave him a brief period of increased activity until it suddenly collapsed. To reduce waste, Olin Kirk used the leftover yo-yo parts as wheels for his toy trucks. Now, as he was no longer a carpenter shop, but more of a toy shop, he needed to come up with a new name. Ole held a contest among his staff, which 
by this time was about seven workers, to come up with a new name, offering a bottle of homemade wine as a prize. Christensen at the time was considering two names, Legio, with the implication of a legion of toys, and Lego, a self-made contraction from the Danish phrase Legati, meaning play well. Later on, the Lego group also discovered that Lego could be loosely interpreted as I put together or I assemble in Latin. Ole Kirk selected Lego, and the company began using it on all of their products. And one of those products was the wooden duck. Designed in 1934, it was four wheels on a wooden duck that once pulled with a pull string would actuate the mouth of the duck to open and close. This is one of the most iconic wooden sets from Lego and still a collectible toy to this day. It was first demonstrated at the Toy Fair in Frederica, Denmark. Ole Kirk Christensen writes later about the decision to devote his life to the manufacturing of toys. It wasn't until the day I told myself you'll either have to drop your old craft or put toys out of your head that I began to see the long-term consequences and the decision turned out to be the right one. Within a few years, Ole Kirk Christensen had laid the foundation of what is to become one of the world's leading toy-making companies and, to this day, one of the most respected companies in the world. And that concludes Chapter 1 of the story of the LEGO Group. I hope you enjoyed that history lesson. I know I learned a lot from it. goes to show that not all companies start off on an easy road. This was a rocky road at the beginning, and there will still be a lot of obstacles in the future. But I think it's good that we all learn that not everything starts off as easy as we think it might. We'll continue to dive into the story, getting as much detail and history as we possibly can. I hope you enjoyed this new segment. I will continue to provide additional chapters throughout the next coming months. And if you really enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. If you have suggestions or things you'd like to learn about the LEGO group, message me on Instagram at backtobrick2 or email me at backtobrick at gmail.com and I'll try to get as much information and provide some good stories behind the Lego group. You can also stop over and support us on our patron page and we'll be bringing you more interviews as we have more and more builders and designers looking to share in their stories. So I'll leave you as I always do with get creative, get out there and go build something.